research. He's also throwing resources behind tests, treatments, and vaccines for the virus. We spoke at length yesterday about what the future looks like and his prediction of a pandemic years ago that he hoped would better prepare us for what we're now facing. You have made fighting infectious disease really the, your life's work, at least the, the second half of your life. And my first question is just where we are right now in terms of this pandemic, that famous saying, are we at the end of the beginning or at the beginning of the end? I wish I could say uh, that we're halfway through, but I don't think so. It takes time to make a vaccine. There's a lot about the disease we don't understand. We know that we can get out of this but it's going to be a while before things go back to normal. You famously talked about a coming pandemic at this nightmare scenario back in 2015 on the heels of the Ebola crisis. And you said in your TED talk that you worried about a virus that could be a thousand times worse. If anything kills over 10 million people in the next few decades, it's most likely to be a highly infectious virus rather than a war. Is this that virus? Yes, the human-to-human -human respiratory spread is the scariest scenario. It's a nightmare, you know. I wish it had come, you know, five or ten years later, uh, then governments might have done the preparation uh, to move quickly like a, a few governments did, and the technologies would have been further along. Let's talk about what's happening right now. There are states like Georgia poised to reopen some parts of their economy. What's your thought on the wisdom of that? Is there anywhere in the country that's ready for that kind of reopening? We know that if you go fully back uh, to normal mixing, that then you get onto that exponential growth curve. You know, I am afraid we'll have some people and some states uh, that move too quickly and, and have to back off. Dr. Fauci said he's certain there will be a second wave of this virus. What's your perspective on how bad it could be? If we're still being careful about social contact, uh, if we've got the testing capacity up, I'm hopeful that the fall will not be uh, nearly as bad as this first peak. The flu is a challenge because the symptoms are common enough that knowing exactly who to test, uh, you know, which are people with symptoms, will be a little confused because of all those those flu infections. The Gates Foundation is very much at the forefront on this hunt for a vaccine. We've all learned by now the timeline, the hopeful timeline of 12 to 18 months. That is a highly expedited track, a fast track for a vaccine. Can you explain why? Well, usually a vaccine takes over five years because you have many steps that you want to do uh, in a serial way. Here, because of all the uh, incredibly negative effects, the sooner the better. There are 100 efforts, but maybe 10 of those uh, should get the resources to build factories and go full speed ahead. So, uh, you know, the best scientists working hard on this, and, and I'm hopeful. In fact, in the last few weeks, I, I've seen signs that we may uh, get to the optimistic side of that time projection. If there has been any area that seems to have been um, bedeviling during this crisis, it's testing. I wonder how you assess how the U.S. has done in testing and what seems to be the issue here? Well, many countries decided that at the national level they would orchestrate the testing. That hasn't happened in, in the United States. It might not happen, but, you know, the 
the access to tests uh, is just you know, chaotic. The president has said that he's going to put uh, funding for the World Health Organization on hold. What effect do you think that will have right now, pulling that funding in the midst of a pandemic? I'm hopeful that we won't cut that money off. In fact, you know, WHO needs more resources during this time to step up to their role of international coordination. The world wants the U.S. to play that role in terms of research and funding and collaboration. Uh, and so that's still an opportunity that uh, the U.S. has that we haven't seized yet. I know you're working on behalf of the Gates Foundation, so your self-isolation is not equal to ours. I guess you're not watching Tiger King on Netflix or eating too much, but what are you doing with the extra time you may find yourself with these days? Uh, well, my daughter did get me to watch Tiger King. Uh, you know, <laughs> at night, a uh, little distraction is allowed even though it's it's a busy time let's talk about the world going forward dr fauci said the other day i think he was half joking that maybe handshaking is a thing of the past now or should be <laughs> have you thought about what's changed forever i do think some of the digital approaches that were catching on anyway have been accelerated you know even i'm surprised that doing these meetings digitally uh for a lot of things works pretty well. We really need experts in government and they need to think through these scenarios to protect us for any future pandemic. I think it will be uh, a lot of change. I hope it's, it's more about the world working together uh, to solve big, big problems. Actually, guys, Gates has likened this fight against COVID-19 to a world war, except this time we're all on the same side. So he's really hopeful that just like we saw during World War II, there will be an explosion of innovation um, and ingenuity, especially when it comes to vaccines and testing, so that we're less vulnerable in the future when this happens again. And he thinks it's inevitable that it will happen again. That's well, a fascinating I, conversation. I was, uh, I was surprised to hear that 12 to 18 months for the vaccine was the fast track. I thought that that was the expected track. I, well, I've learned a lot. From oh, that. yes. And I was equal. It's a huge fast track. And actually, he's actually hopeful. And I think this was the most interesting thing that he said. And he knows, because he knows all the different vaccines that are potentially in the pipeline, that maybe it'll be on the shorter end of that. That would be huge. huge. It would just be totally unprecedented in terms of the science. Arguably, no one has put their money where their mouth is, yeah. um, like Bill Gates. And, and to think that he also watches Tiger King's. He really <laughs> is just like the rest of them. <laughs> I know. I know. And then we both we chatted afterwards, and we both felt a little guilty about liking Tiger King. <laughs> all right. Good morning. How are you guys doing? This is Dr. D with the Boom Factor coming to you um, live early this morning at the Redeemed by the Blood Ministry headquarters where actually I am up um, packing the files. Yes, we are closing the doors here and transitioning the ministry location in Kima. Um, God has given us some remote uh, transition and innovative ideas to maintain the ministry. And through this downtime that I had to really restore, renew, and revive myself, um, Daddy God has really implemented some new strategies for me to go forward to the next level um, with 
all of this pandemic going on. And so I have a lot of notes. I have a lot of things coming forward. A lot of exciting um, uh, events and awareness. And I'll be doing some Zoom calling, some Facebook Live. Just give me a little bit more time. I'm not going to rush myself back into that mainstream. But I'm doing step by step to make sure that I take care of myself, take care of um, my body, my mental health, my physical health, my spiritual health. And with that, I want you guys to do the same, okay? Take a break, step back away from that TV, okay? You can watch your movies or whatever, but right now, there's some tricky stuff going on with the news, with the information. It's very chaotic, even though they're, trying, they're striving to, to make it more livable for people to get back into the social scheme of things. But overall, you guys, another wave is coming, and it's going to be even more detrimental to a lot of people than this first wave. So... Um, I want you guys to be careful, take your time, all right, take care of yourself, take care of your family, if you have to make those major transitions, make sure you pray first, be encouraged, all right, Um, it's all good, it don't look good, it don't feel good at the time, but at the end of it, all, all things work together for the good of those that love God. He say it's good. Okay? So I just want to um, share that with you. And then I want to share something else um, with 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 your guy with the daily service on Trevor. He's I I, I enjoy his his show off and on I've been watching. He has a good conversation with Bill Gates. Now, Bill Gates, I saw Bill Gates um, maybe about 10 years ago. And they say he made a, a speech in 2015. Bill Gates talked about this almost 10, 15 years ago. And if you listen to my episode on yesterday, one of those episodes I was sharing about this movie, you have to go through... Um, YouTube to find it and um, the same exact, they got a picture these Korean doctors, okay it's an old, old movie so it may drag along for a while but it's very interesting and informative and it really makes you want to scratch your head and say well wait a minute how did they come up with this movie way back almost what, 25, what, 19, it was 1982 when it came out, it's 20, so that's like a whole 100 and, it was, but I don't even know how to do the math on that one, <laughs> it's still early in the morning, um, let's see, if it came out, okay, it's 2020, right? Minus 1982. 38 years ago. 38 years ago. I was, in 1982, I was a junior in high school. 
38 years ago, this movie came out. Well, it probably was out before that. It was posted on YouTube in 1982, I believe. Uh, But they do have the years on the movie. And I think it was before then. But if you sit there and watch it, and they're going to have this same, like this little, this doctor was doing this research and yada, yada, yada. Before you know it, he came up with this virus, but he noticed this virus. And he was investigating it, and he showed the picture of it. My God, you all, if it did not look like the coronavirus cell... I had to rewind it twice. I was like, what in the world is this? And so I'm just telling you guys, even though, you know, they striving to do A, B, C, D, F, G. Look, y'all, let me tell you. Everything has a time and a plan. And just something. One thing he said in his TED talk in 2015, Bill Gates stated that our next war really want to be upon America. The next war won't really be an active war, but it'll be a war with viruses. You see what I'm saying? So, um, I'm going to let you guys go. I'm going to chime in with, uh, I want y'all to listen to Bill Gates with uh, Trevor Noah, Noah uh, with the interview that they had. Okay? God bless you. You delivered a TED Talk where you predicted pretty much what is happening now. Now, thanks to the world we live in, that has sprouted a bunch of conspiracy theories, everything from Bill Gates invented this virus to prove himself right, or he knew it was going to happen, and that's why he said it. Was that TED Talk about this virus, or was that a hypothetical that has now come true? Well, I didn't know specifically uh, that it'd be coronavirus and that it would hit in late 2019, but the goal of the talk was to encourage governments to make the investments so we can respond very quickly and keep the case numbers very, very low. And so sadly, this is not a case where, you know, I feel like, hey, I told you so. Uh, it Because we didn't use that time when it was clear as the biggest threat to kill millions of people to have the diagnostic standing by, to be ready to ramp up a, a vaccine factory. A few things were done. Uh, Some countries, our foundation funded some work that will help with the vaccines now, will help with the diagnostics, but, uh, you know, most of what was called for, particularly in a New England Journal of Medicine article I did that went into way more specifics than I could in a a short TED talk, uh, those things didn't get done, and so that's why it's taking us a long time to get our act together uh, faced with this threat. 
Here's a question I have um, as an individual. How is it that you, as a non-government, knew this information and knew that it needed to be act on, acted on, and governments and organizations that are specifically tasked with protecting people from this very thing either didn't have the information or ignored it. What, what do you think happened there? Because I know you interact with governments, you talk to organizations like the CDC, like the WHO. What went wrong? Well, there are lots of individuals uh, who were as worried as I was. You know, people like Dr. Fauci, who've been through various epidemics. And so we, when we had Ebola, Zika, SARS, MERS, we were lucky that they didn't transmit very easily. They weren't uh, these respiratory viruses where somebody is not very symptomatic and is still walking around can spread the disease in some cases to literally dozens of people. So the respiratory transmission, particularly because world travel is so intense, that's where I show the simulation in that speech and say, this keeps me up at night uh, more than even war, which is no small thing. And yet, in terms of being systematic about, okay, let's run a simulation and see how would we reach out to the private sector for tests or ventilators and uh, what kind of quarantine would we do? And we, as we enter into this, we haven't practiced at all. And so you can see it's, you know, every state is being forced to figure things out on their own. And mm -hmm. uh, it's very ad hoc. It's not like when a war comes and we've done, you know, 20 simulations of various types of threats and we've made sure that the training, communications, logistics, all those pieces fall into place very rapidly. You are in an interesting position where in many ways you are an expert on this topic because of the work that you now do in philanthropy. You know, your, your goal has been to eradicate malaria across the globe, focusing in Africa. You work with infectious disease, you work with experts in and around infectious disease. When you look at the coronavirus as it stands now, it's happened, leaders acted late, but what do you think needs to be done going forward? You wrote an interesting op-ed about this, but what do you think we need to do from the ground up, from the people to the leaders to, to the private sector? Well, the main tools we have right now are the behavioral change, the social distancing, which uh, often means staying at home most of the time, and the testing capacity to identify who in particular uh, needs to get isolated and then testing their contacts uh, to make sure that we can catch it so early that a lot of people who get sick don't infect anyone else. Now, you know, so our foundation is engaged in projecting uh, what's going to go on, the modeling. Uh, our partner IHME is, you know, telling each state what they should think about in terms of ventilators and uh, capacity. Further on out, the work we're doing now to find a therapeutic, a drug to reduce the disease, to cut the deaths down, you know, we're hopeful uh, that even in six months, some of those will have been approved. Uh, but the ultimate solution, the only thing that really lets us go back completely to normal and feel good about sitting in a stadium with lots of other people is to create a vaccine and not just take care of our country, but take that vaccine out to the 
global population and uh, so that we have vast immunity and this thing, no matter what, isn't going to spread in large numbers. You have a unique vantage point in that you have been communicating with various governments around the world in and around their COVID-19 response, um, what they plan to do and what they, they, they haven't done thus far. Which countries do you think we should be looking to for models that work? And can we apply those models to a larger country like the United States? So, you know, many people say Italy and Korea, yes, have their numbers, but they can't necessarily be applied to America. Is that true or not? Or is there a model that does seem to work and should be followed for everybody? Well, countries have differences. You know, uh, South Korea did get a medium-sized infection, but then they used testing, enforced quarantine, contact tracing, and really bent the curve, uh, even though it looked pretty scary there for a while. The epidemic in the United States is more widespread uh, than it ever got in South Korea. So we're like the part of China, uh, Hubei province, uh, where a lot of the cases were in one city, Wuhan. And the US and China are different. You know, the lockdowns that we do won't be as strictly enforced, but they are very, very important. The way we do contact tracing won't be as uh, invasive and so won't be quite as perfect. But it is very good news that China, uh, although they're maintaining a lot of uh, measures, they are not seeing a rebound. They're not seeing cases coming back, even though they are sending people back to the factories and sending people back to schools. And, you know, so thank goodness if we're seeing a big rebound there, uh, the idea you could keep it under control once you have a large number of cases like the U.S. does and uh, many countries in Europe, uh, then it you know, would seem almost impossible. So it can be done. You know, China ended up with 0.01% of their population infected. You know, our goal is to stay so it's only a few percent, so at least the medical penalty uh, isn't gigantic, even though the economic penalty will, will be very large. When, when you look at that balance between the economic penalty and um, the human penalty, there are some who have argued that the economic penalty will over time equal the human penalty. Now, you are one of the few people in the world where you actually have enough money to tell us about whether or not an economy shifting in this way or another way is going to cause mass deaths. But how do you think we should be looking at this? Because yes, there is an economy and yes, there is human life, but what, where do you think the truth lies? Well, the, uh, there isn't a choice where you get to say to people, don't pay attention to this epidemic. Uh, you know, most people, uh, they have older relatives, you know, they're worried about getting sick. Uh, the idea of a normal economy is not there as a choice. You know, about 80% of people are going to change their activities. If you get the other 20% to go along with that nationwide, then the disease numbers come, will flatten, hopefully in the next month, and start to go down, hopefully in the month after that. And then when they've gone down a lot, then in a tasteful way, using prioritized testing, you can start to reopen a lot of things like schools and work. Probably not sports events because the chance of mass spread there is 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 quite large mm -hmm. and so to get back economically 
taking the pain extremely now and telling you know those who wouldn't uh, curb their activities, no, you must go along with the rest of society and not associate in a way that we have exponential increase in these cases. Uh, you know that is the right thing, even though it's extremely painful. It's it's unheard of, and you know there are particular businesses that uh, it's catastrophic for. That's the only way you get so you can feel like you can say to the entire population, ideally in the early summer if things go well, yes, now please do resume. And we are through testing, making sure that it won't uh, spread in some some very very big way. So people will need the confidence that the system is working and smart people are making decisions. And over optimistic statements actually work against that. What do you think most people are missing right now? Because everyone has an opinion, you know. Everyone, from my mom to my friends to people online, everyone has an opinion on coronavirus because we have very few centralized sources that people trust. But what do you think people are missing about this virus and this moment and what we need to be doing as people? Because we know the basics: wash your hands, stay at home, stay away from other people. Um, try to, you know, maintain a world where people are moving as little as possible. But, but what do you think we're missing that, that that people might make a mistake and 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 exacerbate what we're going through now? Well, I the thing that needs to get fixed in the next few weeks is to prioritize our testing capacity, which is going up, but making sure the right people are being tested. Uh, that will guide us uh, in in a very deep way. And who are, who are the right people? Uh, if you're symptomatic or somebody you've been in close contact with tested positive, you know, those are the broad categories. Of course, in the front of the line, you have health workers or essential workers who have to go, you know, keep the food supply, the medical system, water, electricity, uh, internet, keep those things running uh, for the people who are, are mostly at home. But that doesn't use up that higher percentage of the testing capacity. We have a lot of people without symptoms who are just kind of worried. And there we need to show them that until our capacity goes up a lot, uh, they are going to have to wait. The worst thing we have is that if, if it takes you longer than 24 hours to get the test result, then you don't know. You have been told during the very key period where you're most infectious to take extreme measures. And so we've got to get uh, not just the numbers up, that that confuses people. It's the speed of the results. South Korea was giving those results in less than 24 hours. So if we have tests that are ramping up around the world, we're gonna see the numbers going up. Now, some have said that number and the mortality rate or fatality rate can be deceptive because there are so many who aren't getting tested and are recovering and so we don't really know how dangerous or, or how fatal this disease actually is what is what is needed in the realm of testing like like what i'm trying to say is i understand that you want to get as many tests as possible but but once we've tested as many people as we have tested what are we trying to get to as an end goal well for um rich countries that do the right policies, you should be able to uh, plateau and get the cases down with less than a few percent of the population infected. 
uh, China, South Korea, uh, there are countries that absolutely have achieved that. And that means that your total deaths uh, is... places like India and Nigeria. You know, I was talking to uh, President Ramaphosa today, who's not only president of South Africa, he's the head of the African Union. And he's a very strong voice encouraging the countries there to act quickly when the number of cases uh, is still fairly low, uh, which is true throughout sub-Saharan Africa right now. When you look at where we are now, the one thing that we can't deny is everybody has dealt with the coronavirus on a different timeline. You know, not just across the globe. I mean, even within the United States, you have states like Georgia and Florida that have just implemented stay-at-home orders. You have many other states that haven't done it at all. Is this going to fundamentally undermine the efforts of other states and other countries that have shut themselves down? Because if the numbers dip in one country, and another country hasn't had the same amount of um, shutdowns or people self-quarantining. For instance, if people from Brazil travel after this, or if people from, uh, whether it's Belarus or Hungary or any other country where a leader hasn't taken it seriously, will that not undermine the effort completely? Is, is there a point to doing this when everybody isn't doing it? Well, sadly, at some level of wealth, there'll be countries that no matter how hard they try, they will have a widespread epidemic. And so, again, sadly, the richer countries that do contain the epidemic will not allow people from those countries to come in, you know, unless they are quarantined or tested or, or prove they're immune. Uh, and so this is going to stop people going across borders very dramatically these next few years till we get to that full vaccination. Within the United States is different because we're not going to partition the country. Uh, and so therefore, we are all in it together. We can't do what we're going to do with foreign nationals, which is reduce the numbers a lot and have very strict screening there. We're not going to have at every state border, you know, some complex quarantine center. Uh, and, and so the whole country needs even when you have small numbers because those can exponentiate to big numbers so quickly you know the doubling time is like three days when you're still behaving uh, in the pre-epidemic way uh, so you know each country uh, you know has to get the entire populace even some who, who uh, initially resisted uh, maybe for very good reasons because the economic effect on them uh, is is strong. So this is powerful medicine, but if you take a big dose of it earlier, you you don't have to take it for nearly as long. You were one of the first people to come out and um, donate a large chunk of money to fighting coronavirus or helping medical workers get the equipment they need. I remember the last I read it was yourself and your wife, Melinda, who had pledged over $100 million. It seems, though, that money isn't able to fix this problem. It seems like governments around the world are trying everything they can, but it doesn't seem like it can be fixed. What are you hoping to achieve in this moment in time? Well, you, if we get the right testing capacity, you can change by literally millions 
uh, the number who are infected. And governments will eventually come up with lots of money for these things, but they don't know where to direct it. They can't move as quickly. And so because you know, our foundation has such deep expertise in infectious diseases, we've thought about the epidemic, we did fund some things uh, to be more prepared like a, a vaccine effort. Uh, our early money can accelerate things. So for example, there's, uh, of all the vaccine constructs, the seven most promising of those, even though we'll end up picking at most two of them, we're gonna fund factories for all seven. And just so that we don't waste time in serially saying, okay, which vaccine oh, wow. works and then building the factory. Because to get to the best case uh, that people like myself and Dr. Fauci are saying is about 18 months, we need to do safety and efficacy and build manufacturing. Uh, and they're different for the different constructs. And so we'll abandon you know, it'll be a few billion dollars we'll waste on manufacturing for the constructs that don't get picked because something else is better. But a few billion in this, the, the situation we're in, where there's trillions of dollars, that's a thousand times more, uh, trillions of dollars being uh, lost economically, it is worth it. And normal government procurement processes and understanding which are the right seven you know in a few months those may kick in but our foundation you know we can get that bootstrapped and get it going uh and you know save months because every month counts you know things can reopen if thing if, if if we do the right things in the summer but it won't be completely normal you'll still be very worried you know, we may decide masks are important, although right now they're in short supply for health workers, so people should not uh, go and, and hoard those. But the capacity of that can be brought up, so it may be something that, like China today, everybody who's walking around uh, is, is wearing one of those. So we'll have a lot of unusual measures until we get the world vaccinated. It's, you know, 7 billion people, that's a tall order, but it is, it is where we need to get to uh, uh, despite a lot of things in between now and then to minimize the damage. You predicted this pandemic almost to a T and maybe it was because we were dealing with other things at the time, we didn't really pay that much attention. Is there anything else you want to warn us about now that, that we should be looking <laughs> forward to? Is there anything else that keeps you up at night? Well, this is a naturally caused epidemic and as bad as it is, it looks, if you have reasonable treatment, to have a 1% fatality. There could be epidemics that are worse than that, including uh, ones that aren't naturally caused that are a form of bioterrorism. But I do, one thing I feel good about is this is such a big uh, change to the world that this time it won't be like Ebola, which was just there in West Africa or Central Africa. This time, the tens of billions to have the diagnostic standing by, the vaccine manufacturing standing by, this time we will uh, get ready for the next epidemic. Well, I hope your words are prophetic once again. Thank you so much for your time. Um, good luck in all of your work and um, stay healthy out there. We need you. Hey, thanks, Trevor. Hopefully we'll be playing tennis again soon. You bet. Looking forward to it.
Well, you heard it. Um, he did a um, TED Talk, and I didn't... Um, I like to add other stuff. You know, you guys to have backup and other credibility individuals to speak on certain things. Um, so I'm already told that I am like for fetch, I'm way out there, you know. But as a prophetess of the Lord, and he said I will not do anything before I tell it to my prophets. And it's up to the people to take ears. You know, we have selective hearing. <laughs> selective hearing is we only hear from certain people we choose to hear from and you hear something different from somebody that you really not aware of where you just kicked it kick it on the side and that's a bad thing uh, I was um, taught old school uh, I was brought up underneath teachings of legends like Lester Summerall and, and John Shambach and the late Dr. Miles Monroe and Kim Commit and John Paul Jackson and um, uh, what's this other guy? Uh, Smith Wickersworth. I have most of all his materials. A lot of generals of the fate. Um, uh, what's the other uh, guy? Because I'm going to do a teaching on this book. Kenneth Hagen, you know, and so. Uh, I believe that they was the last of the purest uh, individuals that served God and taught the uncorruptible word of God. Uh, may not went into the history and the chorological things that um, we should have known as a nation, as a as a black nation, uh, but the history of the Bible, the word, no matter where it goes, who tried to tear it down or whatever, that Bible is still number one on the market because it's God's word. Man, inspired by man, written, translated from generation to generation because the words and meanings of words have changed. You understand? So that's why you may need about two or three different versions. So you can get a better clarity with the Holy Spirit. Now with all that said, um, I thank God for this 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 little Holy Ghost flow, Lord. I like this here, but I have to stay calm because if I if I if I get excited, which I know I will, or get upset and and people rush me. Then I get thrown off, and I'm fine-tuning myself. So, and I'm not going to talk that long, but I just want you guys kind of mail out. Don't get too caught up into this hype right now, okay? Because yesterday, coming here, just to be out, just to see the people, I got a little uneasy. And on that I heard the Holy Spirit was speaking with the word said, You're sheep among wolves. Wow. But you're gonna be wise as a serpent, but homeless as a dove. Man, that is something 
that you have to be all these individuals have and, and not saying <laughs> that somebody's psychotic, but you have to know how to shift your personalities with different um, transitions that you enter into because people are low, low, all over the place. I had a, um, I'm not going to say a friend, but this gentleman, oh my gosh, he's very nice and kind. And it so happened that I saw him and he was like, what are you doing out here? Oh, my sister, you know, oh, you know, you're going to be mine. And you, my wife, and I was dreaming. I was wondering what happened to you. And I said, whoa, 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 slow it down, brother. Slow it down. Where are you going with all this? I said, I'm going to be up front with you right now. My mind state right now is not even near to what you're talking about. So I'm not even hearing it. Okay, now if you want to give me a ride, I will appreciate it to the highest. You just don't know how I appreciate it to the highest because I, I was forced to do something and and, and um, it kind of do me all, but I got to get it done. So you'll be a blessing to me. So right then now, I had to let him know, look, I'm not down with all this right now. Right now, I'm trying to get some stuff together with my business and my my, my office and stuff, I need to take care of some stuff. Now, I got to do A, B, C, D, F, G. Can you do that? Oh, yeah, 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 my sister, we can do that. Come on, where you got to go? What you got to do? Da, da, da. So, so that cut some time, and then it was hot too yesterday, y'all. Oh, my goodness. So, I thank God, he always have a ram in a bush. When something don't come together one way, he have a ram in a bush. And I like that. And I'm taking notice, but at the same time, I had to shut it down. Because I wasn't hearing it right then. My mind wasn't there. You know, so. Um, y'all go ahead. This was listening to some stuff. I said, let me put some, some fresh stuff, some different voices. Um, they have so much stuff, stuff, confusion and stuff on regular news and nothing is not consistent now. Everything's all over the place now. So it's it's causing people to really um, have some serious anxiety. And I want you guys to really take your time and be careful. Okay? I see I'm about to make me a, a box just for my milk. when I get the information. If I see something in the work while I'll share with you all. Um, once again, let me see in a minute. Okay, we're going to get off this and we'll go to the next episode. Alright? Okay, God bless.
All right. Good morning, you guys. This is Dr. D with the Boom Factor. Um, I'm out and about in the city. Taking care of some end-of-the-month business. And uh, woke up with some stuff in my spirit that I can share with you guys. Um... We're still underneath a stay-at-home order till April 30th. However, the governor and mayor is allowing small businesses to open back up because I presume that even myself, we didn't receive none of the, the money that was supposed to be trickled down to the small businesses and independent contractors. If you're self-employed, entrepreneurs, um, they've signed the next bill, so that's going to go into effect on this Monday. So if you filled out one of those SBA loans, I'm sure you got a response already stating that the funds was exhausted, or you didn't qualify, which is hogwash, because it had no separation in the the CARES Act that you had to qualify credit-wise credit uh, to even get the loan. Uh, I believe in one of the, the statements that we'll run your credit on it to identify that you are a legitimate individual and it won't be fraudulent, but it won't be called against you, all right, as a business, right? Because really... This will check your business EIN number, not really your social security number, if anybody knew that or not. But with all that said, um, some things came in my spirit. Thank you for riding Metro. Um, Attention riders, all able-bodied passengers, please board using the rear door of the bus. Customers requiring accessibility assistance should use the front door entrance. Metro is not collecting fares at this time. Attention riders, please maintain an appropriate distance from those around you. Atención, pasajeros, por favor, Okay, you guys. Um, I am transitioning to the truck. Uh oh. Lady was so nice. I mean, she was real nice. I had to 
the self check in. And um, I be trying to use that stuff, but I didn't know how to use that. So she helped me in. She just blessed me, and I thank God for that. So I'm just trying to get situated here. I'm going to get this stuff out the storage. me some late fees and so they told me um well we, we can't waive the late fees but we'll give you an opportunity to move your stuff out I was kind of confused with that one I was like so a young lady who I always work with I called them I said so they put me out <laughs> and she said well no she said she said, Miss D, she said, you're not the only one. She said, a lot of people incur late fees. And so they're giving opportunities for, um, they're giving opportunities for people to, um, um, to just go ahead and, um, move out. out and um, and they won't have to pay anything but you gotta move out by the 26th well I'm thinking the 26th is like you know maybe Wednesday or something man 26th is tomorrow that's Sunday I say oh lord so how I supposed to do this oh I just want to fix the mirrors can I fix the mirrors from here I'm to get out and fix the mirrors I was like, oh my God. So I had to like juggle, you know. I was like, man, how can I do this? And um, I said, here we go. And so I just prayed about it. And I know two brothers that lived in that area. I said, I always say I can call upon you. I know this last minute, please forgive me. I said, but I just got some news. I need to see, um, I need some help to move some furniture. So it's like, oh, I'll get back with you. Yada, yada. And um, I was like, well, I already know how that's gonna turn out. So I, I see, you know, daddy, like always, Like always, Daddy, you, you look out for me, so I'm gonna need supernatural strength. You know, I know where I get two arms from. You know, throw them like 25 hours. And they'll come, they'll handle that business, you know.
of this pandemic. Maybe something ain't shit. Maybe my door ain't shit or something. Maybe that's it. That's the seatbelt on. Oh, you know what? I had a seatbelt on the wrong The seatbelt on the wrong end. Oh, my mask came on, y'all. Jesus. parking lot that's full. I guess they're just for the workers. But overall, this hospital used to be packed with cars. Man, they don't have... It's like they have no patients. But I'm sure they got patients. They just look so deserted.
write down all of this. They got blue gloves everywhere. That's just trifling. Take off those blue gloves, throw them in a trash can, don't just throw them out in the ground. opportunity to live your life like it's golden. And don't let these politicians trick you, man. You got some some real trickery going on. Mindsets and stuff, you know. What are they doing curbside? It's not open during curbside, bro. Oh, my. It's closed. I can't just be riding around. I need to give me something to eat. I'm going to hurt myself. And I can't hurt myself, y'all. I done did good for myself, so I can't hurt myself. Okay, let me just keep straight and um I'll go up this way to the give me a croissant. How about that? Well, like I was sharing earlier. Let's talk about this. And I, I, I can hear my voice acting crazy, so I'm not gonna. Um. I have that thyroid medicine coming. 
with all that said, now they coming up with all this money, right? Supposed to be full of small businesses like myself and so many others, which we we not gonna see. I'm just gonna believe God that they're gonna honor their word and about next year, you know, we do our taxes. Uh, oh, they got a water burger here. Oh, shucky, shucky, now. Oh, that's what I'm talking about. But are they open? Online order pickup. Okay. So we can do an online order pickup. So we'll do an online order pickup. We'll do that. 